Welcome to HR in 15, a podcast dedicated to addressing the complexities of modern HR in just 15 minutes. Brought to you by Prestige PEO, simplifying HR. This is the best part of my day because we are in the HR in 15 zone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of HR in 15. I'm your host, Eric Fudum, Chief Operating Officer here at Prestige PEO. Today, we're joined by Joy Stevens, Director of Business Development at New Heights Academic and Leadership Consulting. Joy is a board-certified career coach and corporate culture consultant who helps organizations move forward. She's here to talk about the importance of executive coaching to fix uh, toxic behaviors in the workplace. We are very excited to have Joy's perspective here today. Welcome to the show, Joy. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm doing well, and I'm excited to be here, and I'm really looking forward to this topic. Um, I can't wait. Yeah, likewise, we cannot wait. So so can you, um, I guess, just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and about the mission of uh, New Heights Academic and Leadership Consulting? Sure. I'll give you just a quick summary of my background. I am a chemistry and chemical engineering major by trade. I spent about five, six years in research and development, manufacturing, and then I moved into sales and marketing, so on and so forth. And so I've had a very varied corporate career. And throughout that time, what I noticed was there wasn't really a lot of focus on developing people. There was a focus on developing a single person, like a particular leader who had been um, maybe spotlit to be the next CEO, et cetera, but not the people as a whole. And so I started to focus on, as I became a leader, on empathy, and on understanding an entire person, not just a name and a title. And it wasn't very popular at the beginning, but as I grew in influence and and clout in my corporations, I got more and more people to listen. And then finally in 2018, I struck out on my own and started with New Heights Academic and Leadership Consulting because we do cover college kids as well, but all the way up through people in transition, as well as executives who want to understand better how to transform their organizations into places that people love to come to. And that's what really my focus is, is how can we make something so inclusive that people are asking your employees, are you hiring? Can I work there? You know, this sounds really awesome. I want to be a part of whatever you're doing. And it has to be more than just a product or a service. It has to be a culture that people want to immerse themselves in. And so I try to help create that for different companies. So you were in the corporate world and decided, you know what, I can make a difference if I you know, branch out and provide, you know, corporate culture consulting and things that make cultures and organizations amazing. And and you, you said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, that's what I'm going to go for it and do it myself. Is that, is that fair? That is fair. So the thing about consultants and most people in an organization will tell you this, consultants will round up the people that work for you, get a, a composite answer and then tell you what your own people are saying and you'll pay them for it. But there is a difference. There is a level of autonomy and a level of um, brutal honesty that I can have as a consultant that I could not have if I were concerned about my future with the company, my career track, et cetera. I come from a place of either you listen to me or you don't. Either you believe me or you don't. Either you hire me again or I find someone else. And so that freedom allows me to be very frank and honest and sometimes a little pushy, 
with the companies that I work with to get them where I think they need to be. But you have to be. And, and I'll tell you, I'm listening to you. So um, what how, how have you found? So, so on that on that perspective, like how have you found your, your clients? Have they have they been open to your coaching and, and your, you know, your advice and, you know, what you need to do kind of thing? Or have you have you kind of like battled a little bit? It's been a bit of a battle. And I will say yeah. that things have definitely improved as far as my access over the last, we'll call it eight months. Um, partially because I was able to do things virtually that scheduling used to get in the way when we were trying to fly different places and you have to, you know, figure out when the plane lands and can you be there and it starts at eight, so you got to fly in the day before. It was a mess. But now I can do a workshop in California and then turn around the same day and do a workshop in Florida, maybe in the middle of the afternoon, do a workshop in Ohio. So it does the, the virtualness of our current environment has helped me to some extent. But also, as we all know, this summer was fraught with civil unrest from the deaths of George Floyd to the injustice of the killing of Breonna Taylor to yeah. the, honestly, the vigilante killing of Ahmaud Aubrey by two people who were not law officers at all. All of this was a perfect storm in the middle of everyone sitting in front of their computer at home. And it changed the way we started to see uh, specifically law injustice in the law enforcement. And I got called in a lot to host like courageous conversations. Can we talk about what's happening? And all of a sudden, some of the clients that had put me kind of on the back burner in 2018 were now clamoring for, please come help us understand what we're, what's going on. Why is this happening? How are we still here in 2020? I thought we solved this in 1964. So being able yep. to approach it from a uh, where there's a hunger versus me trying to push things on people has been refreshing, but also exhausting. But I Amazing. will take that exhaustion every time. I do not get tired of doing this. Yeah, it, uh, your story is amazing. Um, I have to tell you that uh, the fact that you're able to do this virtual now and have you know conversation after conversation of of what you feel is the right um, you know advice that you need to give and and that people want to hear is is very telling and uh, especially during what happened over the summer and now even. You know what happened with with our election and stuff like that. It's very important. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you're you're getting in front of people and making sure that they understand where where they the perspectives that they need to understand. So that's great. So I I, I want to just focus uh, a couple of um, you know topics involving the workplace. Okay. Sure. Um, with I guess everything that has gone on with um, you know the last six or seven eight months, um, you know we hear we are hearing the word toxic a lot. Mm -hmm. In the, and and the, the workplace is toxic. Okay, what what's led to these kind of environments? Why, why do you think that the, the workplaces have become more toxic maybe than they were in the past? Mm, that's an interesting question, and I would actually um, turn that around and say that they are no more toxic than they've always been. The difference is recognizing the poison that you're sitting in. You know, if you think about where we've come from, as far as specifically talking about the corporate corporate entities in the United States, um, we come from a culture of cis hetero white men running things. You know, a, a white CEO is supposed a married white CEO is supposed to be in charge, supposed to be president, vice president, leader, etc. And in addition to that, there was a level of machismo 
that went along with that. You know, the idea of being laser focused and making the tough decisions really lent itself to a particular personality that did no wrong, would not accept failure. We see that as, you know, um, indomitable spirit, but sometimes it's just, it's just arrogance. And we have um, sometimes not been able to get past that. But again, everyone has some level of uh, affinity bias. You tend to look favorably on people that remind you of yourself. And so as through the ages, and I'm, I'm saying ages, like through since the 1930s and forward, as leaders who have those traits are looking for leaders to replace them, they pick more people with those traits. And so you have entire leadership teams made up of cis hetero, which again, we wouldn't even have described them in these terms 20 years ago. Cis hetero white men, usually over six feet, fun fact, that are laser focused, are um, ambitious, um, what we consider confident in them, but can sometimes show up as arrogant in others. And they're given that they're given that benefit of the doubt. They're also given a chance to prove their leadership capability, whereas other people may be um, not given that opportunity. And so you've built over decades and over generations a culture in all of corporate America where bosses tell you what to do. They can be angry with you, but you can't be angry with them. Um, you. There's a culture of fear in a lot of companies where you're afraid to say something for fear of losing your job, afraid to come out, afraid to speak up on behalf of your demographic, et cetera, because of this domination of one particular, one particular group. And that's where we find ourselves now. It's, it's always been toxic for women, for black people, for Latin American people, for all minorities, but the freedom to speak up about it is new within, I'd say like the last eight to five, five to eight years. And so that's when you right. say toxic, it's it's not new, it's just defined. It's just defined. And, but the fact that in the last five to eight years, there's more, there's more kind of talk about it and, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, in essence, having ideas from different people, right? Whatever those people are, right. has, has kind of started to really work itself into workplaces, right? So, so, you know, I'm hoping that we see, you know, that word toxic taken out of, you know, our, 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 our rhetoric, right? Because as, as, as people get more involved and, you know, people from different, you know, races and, and all that kind of stuff get more involved and, and they get the opportunities that, that they should have, right? Right. You know, it should be, it should lend itself to a better um, workplace, right? And, a be and better and hopefully, most importantly, better leadership, right? Exactly. And I love the way you phrased that because you didn't say given opportunities. You said given opportunities they should have. And this is something I battle constantly when it comes to recruiting and promotion, this idea that you are throwing a bone, so to speak, to a person from a minority demographic. Oh, we need this head. We need this number of people of this particular demographic at this level. So we'll just throw a bone and promote so-and-so. Never mind that the person you're promoting has been qualified for that promotion for three, four, five years. You know, so right. it lends itself to this idea that you are lowering standards or granting favors for a marginalized community when in actuality what we're asking of leaders is to recognize the innate quality of these people and to give them the same chance the exact same opportunity that they would give someone who reminds them of themselves and and that should play out towards how employees treat each other mm -hmm. in the workplace too right mm -hmm. absolutely we, we should see you know, employees, you know, working together, 
and and talking about you know how they feel and and what they want you know their workplace to be right and hopefully that gets that that feedback and and you know kind of um input is is kind of what goes top right to the top where right. you know the organization is able to talk about things you know without any fear you know because everyone's talking together about their ideas right 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 this is why it's important to have diversity at higher levels in your company and it can happen organically but if you don't address the the unbi the unconscious bias in your recruiting process because it doesn't always talk we're not always talking about recruiting at the lower levels at the entry level how are you recruiting for that open spot on your board how are you recruiting for that open vp or senior director position sometimes you can promote from within but sometimes you need to be intentional in making sure that you find the qualified perfect candidate who happens to be from a marginalized community to add that voice to your leadership team, to your board of directors, to your C-suite. You know, sometimes yeah. you have to look outside to find that. I think a lot of times you have to look outside, right? Because especially if we're talking about the uh, original kind of dynamic that you're referring to, you know, the start, right. um, you, you know, these are, these are like almost mandatory changes that need to happen in the workplace, right? It just right. has to, we have to be there at this point. Right, so you have like an acute, uh, repair that needs to happen and then you have your long-term organic um, changes and so that acute repair is you know I need something right now to make sure that we can shift our gears you know and move into a different environment a different focus a different culture which means maybe you hire uh, African-American woman to be on your board maybe you hire a South Indian man to be on your board so on and so forth and that person can become that check and balance at that level. So as, as they see, if they are aware of such things, as they see discrimination, microaggressions, unconscious bias come into the decision-making process, they can call it out. In addition to that, the people that are being hired in will see someone reflective of their demographic or at least reflective of a minority demographic at a high level. And that speaks to the culture of that company. And when you have these conversations with, with your clients, are you finding that they they get it? They understand this? Like, because this is these are big shifts, right? These are big big changes. Hey, I have to hire. You know, I might have to hire someone that I wasn't thinking about at all. Now I have to put that into my equation. Like, are you finding that there's you know kind of some pushback on on these concepts? Um, there has been some pushback. I will tell you, it's very polarizing. I yeah. don't really run into groups that are just confused. Either they get it or they absolutely don't. And yeah. so the ones that yeah. get it, they're off and running. They're doing the right things. What I'm seeing, the companies that get it have been so bold as to take the move to tie their leadership team's uh, bonus and, uh, you know, and, um, you know, end of year bonuses, et cetera, to their diversity and inclusion results. So now instead of it only being tied to profit and um, bottom line numbers, a piece of their bonus or a piece of their compensation is tied to um, people rater scores, um, employee satisfaction scores. And so it behooves them not only to work on it themselves, but to cascade that down through organization. That is a bold move to say that you get paid if you become more inclusive is, is radical. But then I have other companies who will absolutely resist the idea of, of uh, personal accountability beyond, say, HR 
and maybe the employee resource groups in their organization. The, the push for inclusion is for them to do, and they don't want to take any personal responsibility, and that's the struggle, is making people see that everyone needs to be in on this game. You know what, I find that amazing, and I find that um, really important and incredible that, you know, compensation is being tied to DEI results, which we're going to talk about in our next episode, but but I want, to, but I do think that is a, a, a very, an unbelievable message to send to, you know, a, a company and its culture, as well as potentially, you know, the marketplace that's outside, you know, kind of customers and, and community, because it's, exactly. it shows what, how important this is, right? And how, and, and, you know, look, that's how a comp company should want to portray themselves to the marketplace, right? And that's how they will gain new customers, right? That's a good thing, right? That's a good thing and, it's, and it makes a lot of sense to me. Joey, um, I, I'd love to have you back for our next episode where we can talk more about diversity, equity, inclusion. Would that be okay? Absolutely, I would love to. Awesome, awesome, awesome. For for those of you who want to get in touch with Joy or, or check out um, Joy's website or, or exactly what Joy does, feel free to just uh, type www.newheightsawait.com. That's www.newheightsawait.com. And you can find out about Joy and, and, and her mission and, and really a lot of, a lot of great stuff. Um, again, Joy, thank you for joining us. We look forward to having you on, on our next episode. Um, for our listeners, you can check out all our episodes by searching for HR 15 on your favorite podcast app or at www.hrn15.com. Until next time, everyone, thank you so much. For questions or more information on today's topic, visit prestigepeo.com.